legends like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Irwin. Like this guy here. His name is Fagan. Harrison Fagan. Welcome back to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, we are going to discuss really briefly the final preseason game, a, a dress rehearsal of sorts for a shorthanded Lakers team who winds up falling to the Sacramento Kings 116 to 112. Uh, so we have that to discuss. And then after I go through that really quickly, and there's going to be more on that on the lowdown, by the way. Uh, after I go through that really quickly, I'm going to throw to a conversation that I recorded last night with Jason Maples of the Temple of Hoop Pod. Um, he and I had, a, I, I thought, a great conversation about uh, the, the, the basketball, the sport of basketball where it is right now. Anthony Davis playing the five, Russell Westbrook working with LeBron James. Uh, the conversations that we have about basketball right now, I thought it was a fantastic conversation, really fun stuff from start to finish there. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and really quickly summarize the game or what I saw of it because I may or may not have been watching a different game at the time, but we'll just go ahead and just discuss this game. Uh, again, the Sacramento Kings beat the Lakers 112 to 116. Uh, the Lakers played the starters Kind of sort of starters minutes, right? Anthony Davis plays 33 minutes. LeBron plays 29. Bays plays 28. Westbrook plays 29. Carmelo plays 27. Rondo plays 22. Reeves, Austin Reeves plays 30. Though some of those minutes came in garbage time. And and I'm kind of looking at this in in a couple lights. One, it's still impossible to, to really kind of gauge where the Lakers are at when they're missing so much of their rotation. Malik Monk didn't play, uh, Kendrick Nunn didn't play, Wayne Ellington didn't play, uh, Trevor Ariza didn't play, Taylor Horton Tucker didn't play, uh, and so on and so forth. So you kind of try to analyze each guy individually as best you can because collectively there's not really much to say about preseason in general, to be completely honest. And 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 that kind of brings me to the to larger overriding point here is that I really hope that the Lakers get healthy, not just because I want the Lakers to be healthy because I think they're going to be pretty good while healthy, but also like there is nothing worse than looking back on seasons and saying, what if, right? We look back on the Dwight Murray season and we say, what if Steve Nash doesn't get hurt? You, Giants fans right now, we're looking back on, on tonight and saying, what if that umpire had his eyes open when, <laughs> when that check swing happened, right? And Dodgers fans would have said the same thing about uh, Darren Ruff's uh, checks wing stuff. So it's just like, it, it, you, there are always going to be what ifs, but you want your analysis to be as fully formed as possible. And it just doesn't seem as of right now, or we know it just is not, we are not capable of analyzing this team as it was put together because we haven't seen it play together yet. Trevor Ariza has played zero minutes in this thing. Taylor Horton Tucker barely played. Uh, we got two games of, of, LeBron, Russ, and AD together, but they were with such a shorthanded squad that, like, you, you have those three guys and you have G-leaguers, basically, right? So I do hope that those guys get healthy so that we can look back on their, this season after it's finally over and be able to say, like, one way or the other, all right, these this was a, a mistake in the approach. This was the smart 
approach, whatever the whatever the analysis might be, that way we just know that it's fully formed. So, like, in the lowdown, I'll go player, you know, by player that I noticed uh, while I was watching that game. And and I'm sure people want to dive deep on on the sixth preseason game because it was a, tri- a, 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 a dress rehearsal. Uh, but but as of right now, I just think throwing to the conversation that I had with Jason, because a lot of it still holds true, uh, you always worry when you record a show beforehand <laughs> That like you say stuff and then all and then immediately look like a moron. I mean, I'm used to looking like a moron, but you would prefer to to have a little bit of gap between saying something and looking like a moron. Um, and I think that is the case right now. So that's gonna do it for just like this intro to the show. Let's go ahead and get to Jason. All right, I'm joined now by uh, somebody who I'm I'm annoyed at myself for not speaking to before on this show. Somebody who's basketball takes i've i've really respected over the time that i've been following him he hosts the temple of hoop podcast this is jason maples buddy how you doing thank you appreciate you having me anthony uh you are correct this is long overdue what's going on with you man you know just freaking out because the sky is literally <laughs> falling around my house right now <laughs> as as i said that giant streak of lightning i'm not even kidding everybody <laughs> this might be a super short show because i'm gonna lose internet here in a bit so let's go ahead and dive into this stuff i was i you know it's funny the the reception to lakers basketball at this point and we're recording this wednesday night so i'm gonna run this i'm gonna summarize the the game that just happened and then run this afterwards so we'll see how stupid i can sound after after talking about <laughs> this before a game actually happens but it's funny it, it i feel like as per usual, the people talking about the Lakers are really on two ends of the spectrum, right? Where yep. people are, 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 if they really liked the rust trade heading in, they're telling everybody, oh, it's just preseason. There's nothing to worry about. Nobody cares about preseason. The Lakers and LeBron and Russ specifically just have historically not cared about preseason. The people who are more iffy about the Russell Westbrook trade are saying, hey, um, it sure would be nice if they were competitive against other starters and could beat the Warriors C team. That would have been nice. And so I'm kind of curious where you sit in on those in between those two spectrums. Uh, well, the, the, first of all, the Lakers, despite everything I've said about Russell, we'll get into that deeper in a minute uh, based on what you told me. But I still think the Lakers are, are coming out there. They're my pick to come out of the West. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm really high on Phoenix and Golden State. But I just really believe that much. If Brown and AD are healthy, they win seventy-eight percent of their games in a Laker uniform. Like that's just that's that's their track record since mm-hmm. they've been together. So it, they're a tough out, regardless. Um, I, I was if you on the Westbrook trade. Uh, if you watched him the last three four years, it's it's, it's been the same thing. Uh, shooting has been gone. Um, the motor is there. I definitely respect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all world playmakers, playmaking numbers are still through the roof, even as he's lost a step as a as a driver. So I do acknowledge those those positive things. But on a team with LeBron and AD, you just you need shooting mm-hmm. and guys who can play without the basketball. And he's really struggled on both of those fronts the last four years. Um, the rosters yeah. he's been the rosters he's been on have required a lot of tinkering to make it to maximize him. And I just don't think that the Lakers can do that. And yeah. that was just my one iffiness. But I do, I'd still pick the Lakers to come out of the West. Uh, Phoenix is going to have something to say. 
And I really think that this is like my one hot take team. The Warriors are going to be a, a potential conference finalist, depending on they're on shooting sixty threes a game. Yeah, and I think I just think <laughs> and I just think that combined with their defense and just real quick what the Warriors did last year by complaining about Kerr changing the system. Instead yeah. of changing the system, he went out and got a bunch of players that fit what he wants to do. So <laughs> problem solved. But yeah, that's that, that's why I'm on a rush trade. I did, I was iffy on the trade, but I think Brown and AD. Lakers are a contender. They're not going to do anything like flame out in the first round. They'll be a tough out. I'm just looking. I looked at Russ through a playoff lens, and that's where you see the issue. He just hasn't had a good playoff run in about, you know, five years, to be honest. If something like, well, he played well this playoff run. It's been about a half a decade, like, if not more, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it, it's it, – I don't want to sound condescending here, um, and, and I understand it where, like, if you're a fan of a basketball team – you got to be like really hardcore to go out and watch other teams games for the right. specific like reason <laughs> to go out and like scout that team. Right. 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 And, and, you know, I think when it came to this off season and analyzing this off season, there's a lot of like, Oh, well, I, I liked Wayne Ellington when he was a Laker. Right. I loved Trevor Ariza when he was a Laker and Russell Westbrook over the entirety of his career is one of the greatest point guards that the league has ever seen. Yep. Right. And, and, and so like, if that's the prism that you're looking at the, at, at this roster through and, and the way that it was built at, over the, 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 the time that it was actually put together, you would kind of say like, yeah, I could, I could convince myself of this team and, and get angry at anybody who, who, who says <laughs> <laughs> that, that, Hey, uh, just, let's, let's, let's just actually see them together before, you know, we, we, we pen them into, any any certain spot i just think the west is going to be really competitive this year yeah i I just think it's a it's a you mentioned the warriors you mentioned phoenix uh if if Jokic can tread water well enough until jamal murray comes back if uh gobert learns how to do anything at all on offense utah becomes a completely different team (laughs) like it's a it's a it's a very you know tricky and and by the way i enjoy that about this this season that like there's a lot of yeah, like there's a lot that we don't know. I, I enjoy, you know, unlike <laughs> it's it's not the right thing to do in my industry, but I do like saying I have no effing clue how this is going to play out. Right, <laughs> I right, have, right. I have yeah. no idea. I mean, um, we're 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 all guessing at the end of the day, right? So yeah, <laughs> right. If we if we knew the answer, if I knew the answers to all this, man, I would not be doing the show. I would be gambling on all of this, and right, I wouldn't Vegas, be sharing baby. any of my secrets. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Um, I want to I want to keep going back to the the Russell Westbrook thing here, and it's funny. Like literally right before uh, we went on on the air here, I had you know a really brief back and forth with Jason um, Timph on 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 Twitter, right? And right. he's and and by the way, I get it. If you were high on this team heading into the off season, you aren't going to let a few preseason games change your mind on that, right? Like right. for one thing, people don't change their mind in general, and then the other thing is like. It, it's only the preseason. So I understand why people would say like, Hey, let's pump the brakes. Let's give it at least a month to, to let them figure some of this stuff out. Right. And you know, my side of it is like you, I was also kind of iffy on the Russell Westbrook thing. Like I, I was, I, you need, like you said, shooting. You, it, it's funny. <laughs> we do this thing every LeBron specifically does this thing because he's the GM of, of the Lakers or he's the pseudo GM of the Lakers. And it's funny that, like in the season, he recognizes, yeah, it'd be nice if I had more space to operate here. And it'd be nice if when I kicked the ball to the corner, there was just a, 
you know, there was a, a, a no doubt about it shooter out there. And then he gets to the off season and he's like, man, that was exhausting. Like that, <laughs> it would be nice to have less of a load on my shoulders. And he gets back to, well, let's see if we can get a creator there. Do you think in, in this case, going with Russell Westbrook, because it worked with Rajon Rondo, where Rondo right. played a smaller role. Do you think Russell Westbrook is too far a step in that direction where let's go out and get a creator who is going to play 30 to 35 minutes a night? Well, I'll say this. Aside from Westbrook and Ariza, all the other guys they added are, are plus shooters, I think, yeah. especially from the corner. Like Melo can shoot it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellington can really shoot it. Yeah, uh, Baysmore can knock down a three. Like you have to respect him. Uh-huh. So I'll say that they did outside of Russ. I will say that Monk is my favorite. You know, Mike Monk was my favorite sneaky addition. Yeah, um, yeah. i the team. They got him on a minimum. Meanwhile, the Pelicans, you know, paid Graham fourteen million, and the, and the difference between the two is negligible <laughs> at best, right? Your so, feud with the Pelicans is my favorite thing. <laughs> no, that, that's a side. I'm never saying like, but you understand. You see the yeah. the value, right? It's, it's, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. So Monk, Monk, I think Monk is really going to have a, a big. Uh, say as far as the, the guard rotation in this team. So aside from Westbrook and, and Ariza, I'd say they added a bunch of plus shooting. So I, I'll give them kudos there or LeBron because, you know, he's a pseudo GM in your eyes, right? Let's mm-hmm. give him kudos there. Like, you did acknowledge that. My thing with Westbrook is at his stature and age, he kind of commands you know, 30 plus minutes a game, right? 30 to, right. 30 to 35. That's the only issue, right? And if you're not going to get AD to play center, the vast majority of those 35 minutes. Yeah. That's when the half court becomes an issue because yeah. you're talking about DeAndre Jordan or um, DeAndre Jordan or that's a or technical Dwight, term, right? Right. right. The DeAndre, Jordan, yeah, DeAndre Jordan, like DeAndre Jordan and De- slash the white next to AD and yeah. then LeBron Westbrook and maybe one floor spacer. Right. Right. And I think right. that's, that's just over the course of a game. I just, don't think that's sustainable offensively. Like in where the league is going between, between the rules and the principles is just shifted more towards offense. That's just mm-hmm. how the league is going. So I think if AD doesn't commit to center, the vast majority of the rest of minutes, it might be a little bumpy or really bumpy. If I was not even going to, I'm not going to catch my bet. It'll be really bumpy if AD's not playing center most of the time, Westbrook's on the court. Yeah. I kind of think with, with Russ, like you're saying, you have to have AD out there at the center and then the minutes that 80 isn't out there and maybe LeBron isn't out there. You have Russ with three shooters and like Dwight, right? right? Exactly. Where, where you can, you can, you know, build a lineup around Russ Dwight uh, pick and rolls to get the ball rolling and then, and then kick it out to shooters. And then when you have LeBron on the court with Russ, you have to have 80 at the five. And when you have AD and Russ out there together, you have to have AD at the five. So it's like, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a math problem at right. the end of the day. And, and it's just a matter of like, will, will AD commit to doing what he has to, to make that math problem work? Right. How do you, this is always one of the things that I find the toughest to talk about, because on one hand, if you're good enough at your job, if you're good enough at your profession, uh, there is a an amount of freedom that comes with being that good <laughs> Man, I know at your girls. profession, <laughs> right. you know, and and yet you know. It, so to a certain extent, I understand AD saying like, "Yeah, I want to, I want to be able to play the four more often." I'm, right. I am a top ten at worst player in the NBA, so a, a top ten at worst person at my job in the entire world. 
So with that comes with a little bit of power uh, in the organization. And yet if he's playing power forward, he makes himself a lesser version of himself. And so it makes it tougher to, to make that work. So I, I, where do you stand on 80, even, even separate of this roster and playing for the Lakers, just AD wanting to play power forward and not wanting to play center. Where, what's your stance on that? Well, I've, I've gone back and forth with people on this like forever. I mean, first of all, the, the, the health thing is extremely overblown. Like people have come on, finally come out and said it's actually harder for him yeah. uh, injury-wise to play power forward because it's just more jumbled and more yeah. congested. So that actually increases the, the risk of injury, right? Um, Plus the team is worse. So like those minutes are harder. Like you exactly, that's exactly. I just think, I, I really think he's just, he should embrace playing center, man. It's like, um, obviously I, I don't hold AD in the same esteem as a, you know, Kevin Durant, but you no, know, Kevin Durant is, you know, six, 10, six, 11, uh, you know, 195 pounds soaking wet with rocks in his pocket. Right. And he played center because the Nets needed him to a lot of the time. Yeah. It's just what was just what he did in order to, well, I just think it's, it's a mentality. And this is not knocking anything. Hey, he's a, he's a unicorn generational talent. He's yeah. probably, you know, the best defensive player, I think in the NBA, it's a matter of health. I think uh, Giannis is a comparison. Giannis is more of a help side guy, but AD can lock you up on ball. Can two, do it all. Five rotation will shut you down. Pick and roll. He does everything at an elite level defensively from two through five. So I think he's the best defensive player in the NBA. I just think, you know, my, my only thing have been has always been, you know, his, you know, in intangibles. Yeah. I think uh hopefully I was you know hoping that his experience with LeBron helps him along on that route because he will be the face of the franchise eventually, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, a part of that is doing what the team needs you to do to win. Yeah. And I think, you know, he said the right things to be fair about playing center. Yeah. Like he said the right things. It's just a matter of if he's gonna do it. Um, it was a little bit disturbing to hear Frank talk about. AD being at center was bad for spacing. That that threw me <laughs> off the, the, the quote I saw. I gotta no, I yeah. gotta watch the whole thing because at, at that face value, I'm like, that, that, that makes no make sense. <laughs> yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. So yeah. I just think AD, I think AD's gotta play center. And, and and look, man, you guys, you know, you push for Westbrook. Westbrook's an excellent pick and roll partner. You know, you gotta you gotta play the five for that to work, man. Cause yeah. you know, on top of not being able to guard. Uh, top of DeAndre Jordan or Dwight clogging up the paint on AD's rolls, right? Mm-hmm. Watch the film of how they're guarding Westbrook. They're going underneath every screen. They're not even yeah. guarding him off the ball. There's a picture where AD had the ball in the wing and Westbrook's guy, Westbrook's at the top of the key and Westbrook's man is at the elbow just making sure AD doesn't go left. A pass away. Yeah, just a pass away. Just, just, they just don't guard Westbrook. So I think on top of all these spacing concerns, uh, even with even if they play AD at the five, Frank's gonna gotta have to get real. Frank and his staff are gonna have to get real creative about moving Westbrook off ball, as far as utilizing him as a cutter and a, even a screener. I think what the Warriors yeah. do really great is um, with Draymond because he gets guard the same way. They have him initiate a lot of dribble handoffs to create get guys going downhill because of the help is sagging off. They have him mm-hmm. send a lot of screens because the help is sagging off. So I think the Lakers gotta do stuff like that. Um, with Westbrook to free other guys up, use him as a screener, use him as a cutter, you know, things of that nature. Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100. percent And I, by the way, I think that's that's general consensus. Like that's right. the things that that's <laughs> the things that like that's one of the few things that I think, even regardless of what end of the spectrum that you find yourself on, because I don't think there is anybody out there. Well, I take that back. 
<laughs> there probably are a handful of people out there that are so hardcore rush people that they're like, oh yeah, like just take LeBron off the ball and Russ should have the ball over LeBron anyway. He's the point guard, right? See what I'm saying aside from <laughs> aside from those people, uh, that handful of people, I think in general, most people are kind of recognizing if this is going to work, like you even saw Frank Vogel say, uh, we need Russ to catch and shoot on three-pointers. Even if he misses them, he needs to be able to take that shot in rhythm. I, I, I heard, you know, around the league that some people were kind of rejoicing when they saw that quote, like, yes, yeah. I will, say that, I will say this to add on to what you just said. The rest, Westbrook did shoot over 40% on corner threes last year. Like, I was mm-hmm. looking at his whole profile. So, they can get him, like, some corner three looks. You know, that would be awesome if he can up the volume on those, if he can maintain that efficiency. But I just – I really don't want him shooting threes. If he can become efficient, like a mid-range pull-up guy because they just don't guard him outside the key, like, that would be great. But I'm not interested in seeing him jack, you know, three or four threes a game yeah. or that early pull-up mid-range of transition i just those are killer <laughs> yeah i just those are, those, i think i think even frank said something about that like he's got to be smarter about those shots so frank mm-hmm. i think even frank acknowledged that he's got to change that part of his game too it's been kind of funny uh not funny fun to watch the way that these guys talk about each other publicly right, right. it's very honest i've found you know i i thought i thought last year everybody just kind of beat around the bush of yeah i mean it'd be nice if ad played more five but uh you know yeah you know <laughs> but i but it was it was great to hear russ say like no no no, he's he's better at the center he's he's a he's a center he's a he's better at that position um for somebody like because you 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 have a coaching background and and the way that you handle your team there how do you like how would you if you were in that locker room in that organization like if you were to if you had a voice and not just as a fly on the wall there, how would you handle like, Hey Russ, you need to go set a screen or, or Hey AD, we need you to, we need you to play more five or Hey LeBron occasionally like just say F both of these guys and just go take over for a little bit. Like, how how do you, how would you balance saying what needs to be said, but also like the, the, the politics of what you're actually saying. See, this is tough. When I get like, I get these kind of questions like every now and there's like, then he is, I don't like when it comes to NBA, I don't have an answer because NBA, I'm a fan like you guys, because the main thing about the NBA between the level I coach, which is college, is those guys get paid a lot more. So much more. And that is the (laughs) biggest factor. So any ruffled feathers come up, the coach is the first guy go. Yeah. Right. It's just so much more of a a power dynamic. Mm -hmm. I think professional sports is weird like that because you're asking guys who make to you're asking guys to control. We're not control. I think that's a little harsh. Asking guys to like, you know, shepherd, you know, just kind of like the shepherd yeah. guide, guide yeah. a bunch of athletes, and they make a lot less money than the vast majority of them. And like and that, that's always been a weird dynamic. And that's fine. I'm, I'm extremely pro player as far as yeah. pro sports, but it's just a tough dynamic to ask a guy who makes less than ninety percent of his roster to hey, tell this guy what to do eighty-two <laughs> games a night and then play out. That's right. why I think you know, really, it is it is tough, you know. But that's why I think Phil Jackson is the greatest uh, personality manager in the history of sports, which I think why he's the greatest coach. People say him and Pop. I think Phil, because in professional sports, uh, all the coaches are pretty much like they know what they're talking about. The biggest thing is getting buy-in and getting guys to, you know, move all in one direction. And I think he was able to do that. Michael Jordan, uh, tough personality. Dennis Rodman, tough personality. Shaq and Kobe didn't like like each other, despite what the, you know, right? So... I think that's why it feels the greatest. I think that is the tough part. You know, just 
Frank having to be like, how do I get these this guy to do something he doesn't want to do without yeah. ruffling his feathers? I think you know it's, it's it's a tough conversation, and we can like, and I'm I'm guilty of this too. We can say all we want from our Twitter accounts, but it's hard. You know, a guy does not want to play that position, and you, you know, he's an elite talent, going to be the face of your franchise once LeBron leaves, and you know, get make him do it. <laughs> yeah, right. right. It's just it's just tough. You got to it's got to be coerced. Yeah, I, I think I would I you know plant the seed in LeBron and be like, hey man, like it. Yeah, that's probably it? the best. That's probably the best route. Isn't that? I think, isn't, you know, isn't it to, nice when he's out yeah. there at the five and you don't have DeAndre Jordan's corpse like lying there in the middle of the key? Like, isn't it? Isn't it yeah. more fun to play that way? They convince hey, Bosh, hey. man. They convince <laughs> Bosh. They convince Bosh. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, it's it's it, it's always I it's funny when I was asking you that question, you saw the question coming. So I saw the look on your face like <laughs> I've answered this man. Yeah. There is no answer from a coaching perspective. It's just a matter of like, do you have personalities in the room who can coerce and and, and emphasis on the co in yeah. that coerce? Yeah, yeah. and I think I'm doing what's yeah. best. And I think we'll say this. I think what you show Anthony Davis is, hey, look, this year you played 70-plus games at center. You were third in MVP voting. Yes. That yeah. was 29 and 10. You were first team, all everything. You were third in the MVP voting. They put you out at center, gave you a point guard who's not as good as LeBron, you were right, or guards yeah. who aren't as good as LeBron, and just put you out in space, and you were dominant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's the best way to do it, show that you're, you're literally at your best when you play center. That's the part that I can't wrap my head around is that the season that Anthony Davis was being called potentially the best player in the NBA, that's what he was doing in order to make that work, right? Because to, to, right. remember, that was the season that he beat the Blazers in the, in the, in the first round of the playoffs. Right. And then, obviously, like, that was the, the buzzsaw Warriors team that he, you know, there was nobody who was going to beat that. But right, right, right. Uh, he was still competitive with them even. And it was because he, he's such... A, a unicorn when it comes to playing that position. There is nobody, arguably, you know, it's like Hakeem, it's AD in terms of uh, uh, combining mobility and skill and athleticism and strength. Like there are very few players who could wow. do the things that AD can do at the center spot. And that's what's like for me as a fan, it's so difficult to, to see somebody who I have to imagine like, did he think it was a coincidence that he played that much center and that was the season that he had? Is, right. it, is it not worth it to him? Like, because that's the other thing is it well, just I, might I, not be worth it to him in the regular yeah. season. I think you look at his background, man, you know, because, you know, he was, he was, you know, six feet going into a senior year of high school, right? Yeah. So, you know, he gets that humongous growth spurt the year before he goes to Kentucky and he goes yeah. from, you know, guard to this uncoordinated guy and as he grew into his body you know i want to go back to handling the ball taking jump shots i'm mm-hmm. like that's fine do all that stuff at the five spot you know Jokic does right yeah so <laughs> it's like it's like that that that's how i kind of look at it and i think with ad he has that speed advantage that you speak of that first step at the uh at the five spot but at the four spot especially with these teams playing these longer wings now at the four instead of the uh three like they used to they're playing with four out right now right the four yeah. is just the bigger wing now he's just not as feet of foot yeah. as, uh, as those guys, as so those tough, guys. yeah so it's always uh he's got to back down take these tough jump hooks turn around jumpers it's just not as efficient you know what yeah. i'm saying yeah. as he would be at center when he can blow by guys use a speed quickness get guys in foul trouble then he can face up you know what i'm saying uh you know one two dribble combos you saw in the playoffs he went to center it just you know he had um 
who's the the center in, in Portland? I'm losing his name right now. Nurkic. Uh, Nurkic just had him him in hell when he played center. He just couldn't <laughs> yeah. do anything with him. It was just facing right. him. I'm, I'm by you every time. Help's got to come, you know. So uh, it's just I think it's just a lot going on beyond behind the actual decision. But I think I will say a lot of the the, the Laker guys on Laker Twitter who I really respect, they do say, and I agree with this when it comes down to it, he will play center. I'm just more mm-hmm. into, you know, I think continuity matters yeah. going into the playoffs. You know, right? That's why the Nets were like, you know, Kyrie, stay home. We don't need you to play, you know. Yeah. It's like, we got to build continuity, uh, rhythm. And I think that's what, you know, is, is the other side of that opposed to just, we're just going to save this for the playoffs out of some, you know, unfounded health scare um, that, that that can't really be proven, right? Yeah. Based yeah. on position, so... We'll see, man. Like I said, I'm excited. There's still my pick to come out of the West. I think their physicality is just too much for the um, for the Warriors. Like they just got Looney at center. Wiseman won't be ready for that level of basketball when it matters. I think they're better than the Suns when healthy, um, especially if they can get uh, they can get better wing play. I think from Ariza and Melo than they had from younger guys in that position mm-hmm. last year. Then you know Keith and Kuz. So I, I like the matchup with the other teams. I don't think Gobert can affect the game offensively enough to really, you know, defeat the Yeah. The People Lakers. keep saying he got played off the court defensively, but it's, it's exactly like he doesn't exactly. punish anybody offensively. Yeah. I'll say I'll say this. Goldberg took a step to me defensively. Like he was not to be being shot yeah. liver in space. He was great there. The issue was on defense is the Clippers pulled him away from the basket. So the other guys got exposed when he's not yeah. there to cover up their mistakes. And offensively he couldn't get them off the floor because he just can't score over six six guys, which is you know the the crux Wild. of his game. <laughs> they could, yeah, I just had to throw it in there. If he throws it into him and he gets, you know, four straight jump hooks in a row or four fouls in a row just going inside, he completely kills what the Clippers want to do. That, that changes the whole series. Yeah. But, you yeah. Know. I agree completely. All right. Last thing before we get out of here. Um, again, it's I don't want to go full. I guess the account is called ball don't stop where we're calling people casual. <laughs> but, but like but like is there is there like a narrative or a talking point that drives you? because you spent a lot more time around the sport than most people. So is there, is there a, a talking point or a narrative that drives you the most bonkers when you hear it? They're like, what are we doing here? Well, like, is it, so for example, Giannis, for some reason with, with like his game, isn't necessarily pretty it's efficient and it's effective, right. but for some reason, like it gets disrespected because of the, you know, bag Twitter. So is there, is there something along those lines that like, you see a a talking point that is out there a lot that you're just like, I don't even know where that is coming from. Well, I know where it's coming from. And it's talking about what bothers me is that the, this is mid-range is some, you know, devil that needs to be tossed out. And I just, um, I don't think what a lot of people, to me, the different people don't realize playoff basketball and regular season basketball is just so different. So over the yeah. season, of course, you want layups, threes, limit your mid-range, like it's a math problem, right? And I told people, when I was telling them the the Utah, they're probably they have no variance in their offense, right? Yeah. So when the Clippers went and switched everything, and the open threes are gone, only guy with the in between game who had successful was Donovan, right? He had great series when he played; he was great. But nobody yeah. else can score. I was like, mid range scoring is necessary in, in a playoff series to me because the defenses are completely honed in. They take away your best stuff. You're scouted, so if you're not able to score at all three levels. You know, you're kind of cooked in the playoffs. So I know the the, the anti mid range, whole anti mid range movement is something that that really bugs me because you know while mathematically it may prove sound, 
It's just every year in the playoffs, we found out that it's not true, right? 2019, you know, Kawhi eats yeah, off the yeah. mid-range, hopefully I have 20. Uh, Anthony Davis shot like Kevin Durant from the mid-range. Like, it, it, it's just, you yeah. know, it, it kills defenses because they take away the rim and three-pointer and then you just hit there efficiently. It kills them. You know, last year, Giannis, all of a sudden, from 10 feet to 16 feet, he shoots 49%, which is elite from that range in the playoff mm-hmm. series. You know what I'm saying? So because he was smart. He cut down his three-point attempts from the last two playoffs, lived in the mid-range, right? They take away the rim. What's he going to do? So yeah. that's the one talking point that bothers me, that the mid-range is some, you know, she-devil that you shouldn't uh, entertain. <laughs> so that, that's yeah. just my... my yeah, I, no, I, I know. I, I, I agree yeah. with you completely. For me, it's just always like, yeah, I'm, I like golf. I enjoy golfing. And you want every shot in your bag. If you have to knock down a five iron, if you have to, right. you know, put put a little extra spin to check up on a, on a pitch from a hundred yards or something like that, you want to be able to do that because good courses demand that of you. And so, like when you when you're playing basketball, good defense will demand you to do things that the math says isn't necessarily smart. So you just got to make the math smart. And, right. and some of those great players have have actually made that math smart. Well. Thank you very much, man. This was an absolute blast. That was Jason Maples of the Temple of Hoop podcast. You can find him on Twitter, uh, you know, at JJ Maples underscore or no, at JJ Maples 55 underscore MST. Uh, And and again, you're going to want to follow him there. You're going to want to check out his podcast. It's all great stuff. Thank you very much, Jason, for hopping on. And and let's not let's let's talk sooner than than it took me to get you on the show. Thank you for having (laughs) me, man. Thank you. Thank you. Anytime.